When I was a little kid, I used to not be happy when we got to the end of summer and school started. And I remember going in the first week of school as a child. Same thing pretty much happened each new school year. And you get to your class and you've got your new teacher and the teacher would put on the board her name or his name. And I remember them saying to the class, presumably so that the class would be able to gel together, get to know one another, build a team of sorts. The question would be asked at the beginning of each school year, what did you do on your summer vacation? Well, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what I did on my summer vacation. For most of my adult life, my summer vacation was always going on ministry trips and carting my family around the country or around the world telling people about Jesus. But this last summer, it was different. I took my wife on a cruise to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. And God made sure that wherever I went, he brought people that I could tell about Jesus. And the really great news is I didn't have to go look for them. They came and they found me. And so my wife was very understanding about all this. She knows that I have to spend some part of my day sitting at a table with light and a cup of coffee and my Bibles. And she understands that that helps keep me sane and fulfilled. I find it to be a very fulfilling thing to spend time with the Word of God and to just ask God, Lord, where do you want me today? To whom do you want me to speak? To whom shall I listen? And what shall I say? In essence, I want to live today with God. It's, it's the only way to really, I think, have a meaningful walk with the Lord is to make oneself available and to be present. Not just existing, but present. Because when you're present, you know, you can kind of have your antenna up and be listening be sensing, is God doing something? And am I willing to pay attention to what it is that God might be doing in my life? We don't have to be preachers. We don't have to be evangelists. We don't have to be prophets or apostles. Or We don't have to have a label. But if we love the Lord, we should be available and present. And then we should just be sensitive to what God is doing and pay attention. So I'm encouraging you to be present, to offer yourself up to God, to be what the scripture terms a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, to just be present wherever it is God has you. And should you choose to be someplace and just to be looking at his word, pay attention to his word and see if God brings anybody around just to 
ask you questions because I'm going to give testimony of some of the glorious things that happened on my summer vacation during the times I was just sitting drinking coffee and reading my Bibles. So what I wrote down in my journal was, uh, today, I didn't leave time to write about what happened yesterday because there were so many things, I didn't have time to write it down. But the new today brought new revelation. I set my Bibles on the table to save a place for myself, and then I went to grab a cup of coffee. And when I returned to my place, a Filipino waitress was looking at my Bibles. As I sat down, she asked me if I was a pastor. I told her, I'm just a guy whose life was changed by Jesus, and I'm trying to know him better. I often will answer people in that way because that's, that's just the way it is. I asked her if she believed in Jesus. She said, sure, she was Catholic. But now she's mostly Christian. These were her words, mostly Christian. I assumed that that meant she had visited some Protestant churches and felt more comfortable. I personally wonder how often someone visits a new church a few times and begins to identify as one of those, whatever the church happens to be, when communicating with other people, even if they're not really members or regular attendees, but they've been there a few times and they're less uncomfortable there than perhaps somewhere else. I don't know. I need to think about that and I need to probe a little deeper when people say such things. But in the conversation with this young girl, I sensed some regret in her words. We need to pay attention to the Spirit of God when we're present. And we've asked Him to involve Himself and to invest Himself in our lives. As I listened to the story that she told me, it was clear that she wanted to talk to somebody, but she didn't know to whom. In passing, she made one enigmatic comment about, quote, a mistake. And then she asked if I was reading the Old Testament or the New. I explained the need for both. I feel strongly about such things. And then I just let her keep talking. Eventually, I learned about Liam. As I suspected, her mistake led to a child. The father immediately abandoned his responsibilities and she was left without support. Then COVID happened. It shut down the cruise line where she worked, which she depended on that, and her savings had dwindled. She had many questions, many challenges, many problems, and many fears. She had earlier in the conversation told me that she didn't want to talk to her mother about her problems. I asked her, had she spoken with her mother during this difficult time? But I realized through her words that along the way, she did turn to God for help. 
like many of us, when our needs drown out our pride, that's when we look to God. She recognized how the Lord had made provision for her and for little Liam. She had her baby christened. Several of her co-workers learned and sent her some money, and that deeply helped her, and it touched her. At the time I wrote this, uh, a few months ago, Liam was at that point two years old. Her mother cares for him, the mother that she was hesitant to talk to to discuss her problem, her mistake. That mother, Liam's grandmother. She is caring for little Liam while this young lady was on her eight-month contract on the ship. She regrets not seeing him grow up because she's apart for so long. She doesn't know how he's changing, but I encouraged her that she's blessed to have a mom who stands by her and helps in such an important way. People have needs. We should be available to hear them when they want to speak them. We should pray with them and for them because God loves them. That same day, so I found myself sitting at the same table, reading my same Bibles, and a gentleman named Chris came over. He was cautious, and he was curious. He walked by me and stopped a few times. It was kind of cute, really. It was obvious what was happening, but I don't know, maybe he thought he was a ninja or something. I don't know. It was clear that he was just uncomfortable. Uh, Chris, by the way, was a waiter on that ship. And he was from an island in the Caribbean. After circling my table three or four times, he finally leaned over and quietly asked me if I was reading the Bible. And he asked if, <laughs> if I was a pastor. I explained I was studying to learn to know more about Jesus, because that is why I'm studying. I asked him if he reads the Bible. He said he had read Proverbs. He told me that he had decided to read through one proverb each day for a month. And he said that it, it was very inspiring. I suggested that the whole book can be inspirational and educational and informational and also correctional. It can correct us when needed. Chris had several questions and some very interesting comments. Eventually, he told me a fascinating story about his father, and I'm going to share that story with you because I noted it in my journal because I didn't want to forget it. I think it was important. He said that his father was a commercial fisherman. On Friday nights, he would drink a lot. Then he'd mend his big net, and on Sunday, he'd go out fishing again. One Sunday, he came running home. He put on his dress clothes, and he ran to church. This was very unconventional. It's not what he did. Later, he asked his dad what had happened. His dad told him that he was working his net. He was by himself, 
And suddenly he heard a voice. But nobody was there. Whatever it was, his dad ran home, then ran to church, and he never looked back. He has followed God ever since. Chris's father became a Christian through some divine intervention, some miraculous involvement by the Spirit of God. And Chris had many things to tell me then. The more he talked, the more I recognized that his words, though not biblical, they mirrored biblical truth. I began to point it out to him. Though he told me that he didn't read the Bible, it was apparent to me that the Bible had read him and it had gotten into him. I mentioned some specific comments that he'd made and then I referred him back to the very scriptures from where his words originated, whether he realized it or not. He seemed quite shocked, but he was also very happy to realize that it was true. I think he, he understood that what I was telling him was accurate. The comments he was making were based on, grounded in the Word of God. Somehow the Word of God had reached him in deep ways that some, he'd put it out of his mind, I guess. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Be careful what you're filling your mind with. Be careful what you're spending your time investing your your heart, your brain, and your memory bank. He was pleased that I noticed his biblically-oriented conversation. It made him happy to, I think, have it recognized. But I could also detect unquestionably there was shame he felt some shame, and he wasn't speaking about it, but I could just discern it. It was, it was evident to me, and I assume it's something that the Holy Spirit must have opened my eyes to see because it wasn't from anything he'd said. Then he told me what I believe was the real reason he came to talk to me. I think sometimes we never really get to what someone wants to say because we're too busy talking. We don't listen long enough or care enough about a person who wants to communicate with us for whatever reason because we're more interested in communicating with them instead of hearing what's really on their mind and they may not get to it right away. We're pretty impatient and we're always out of time. But God's not that way. God's, God wants to get to it. He wants to let people get to it so that they'll deal with Him. And sometimes He uses us in that process, but we have to be willing to listen, to pay attention and to not try and fix everything after three sentences. Because people don't always say what they mean right away. 
And sometimes they may not even be sure of themselves and they're just trying to process it and work it out. And they're using you as a sounding board. But if you're talking, you're a lousy sounding board. I finally recognize that the reason why he asked if I was a pastor, the story he told me was from deep in his heart. It followed my repeated answer to his questions about me being a pastor. I told him I had pastored and several of, uh, several of my sons are pastors. And uh, I have a number of my children and grandchildren are in ministry. I explained that I think my sons were better pastors than I, than I was. And I described what good pastors do. And then he reported the story at the core of his inquiry. Many years earlier, he had been to a church. He'd heard a very powerful sermon. The preacher who delivered it, this was at a small home church. It wasn't, you know, this was in the islands and it wasn't at some big cathedral. The message touched him deeply. He said he knew that the Spirit of God wanted him to respond to the sermon. He stood up to obey the Spirit. But then another very powerful pull caused him to sit back down. That Spirit, that second Spirit that drunk him back down instead of the Spirit that it called him forward, that second spirit exercised too much pull. That spirit kept him from doing what he knew he was supposed to do. And he told me that he knew he had rejected the Spirit of God. And it was apparent that this had troubled him for all these many years. His heart seemed to hold condemnation over this event from long ago. I told him I believe God wanted me to talk to him and to tell him something very specific. And I read him part of what I felt I was supposed to tell him from 1 John. But I didn't tell him everything I felt I was supposed to. Sometimes the Spirit of God draws us to do something, and then there are other forces that cause us to sit down, draw back, maybe be afraid or wondering what somebody's going to say or what they're going to think. How foolish we can be. How foolish I can be. Well, I prayed about that afterwards. I felt very bad. I kind of felt like I had let the Lord down. I hadn't done exactly what he wanted me to do. Felt a little bit like Chris, but without the condemnation, because there is therefore no condemnation. If we're in Christ, there is no condemnation. The next day, I was reading my Bibles and drinking coffee, and Chris came by my table again. I had prayed that he would because I really wanted to fix what I had done, what I had actually not done. 
and God was gracious to give me the opportunity. I told Chris that I was convicted that I hadn't told him all of what I was supposed to. I wrote him a card. I had already written it before I saw him the second day. I was hoping to find him, and I was actually sitting there writing the card when he walked up to me. He came to find me, and I was able to give the card to him. And they were verses from 1 John chapter 2 and a couple of verses from chapter 3. I'll tell you more about Chris some other time, but uh, it's my opinion that there may be a Chris out there right now who's hearing my words. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. This is from 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Several verses. The first are verses 3 and 4. It says, Now by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in Him. If you're having doubts about your connection to God, your, your place in His heart, you should reread those words and dwell on them. You should also uh, consider the words of this same chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. If you've got a beef with a brother, you need to deal with it. You can't pretend you're okay and he's not okay because he may be not okay, but you ain't okay either. Because he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And then... Verse 24, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. You've heard the truth. Maybe you sat in a Sunday school class when you were a youngster. Maybe you went forward at some church service. Maybe your parents loved the Lord. Maybe you've got a praying grandmother. You've heard the truth. You must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do you will remain in fellowship with the son and with the father and in this fellowship we enjoy the eternal life he promised and i promise you this is what you really want don't ignore these words i'm grateful chris received these words he did not ignore these words and i'm going to read you just a few more words from chapter 3 beginning in verse 18. This is precious stuff. It's powerful stuff because this is the powerful Word of God. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Chris, 
had a troubled heart and you may have a troubled heart, but you don't have to stay troubled. You can be comforted. I believe God wants you to hear these words so that you will be genuinely, confidently comforted. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We can have a true, lasting, enduring, durable confidence. God will assure our hearts before himself. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I think Chris's heart, he was walking in condemnation. He was sensing a condemnation. God didn't want to condemn him. God wanted him free. God loved him. He made a mistake. He didn't follow through on something God wanted him to do. There's been times I've not done what God wanted me to do, and there's been times you've not done what God wanted you to do, but that doesn't mean you walk in condemnation. No, God has a precious freedom, a freedom that is for you and for me and for Chris. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Let's walk in that confidence. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is what God wants for you and for me and for Chris. I want to tell you some more about what God has done while I just was sitting around reading my Bibles and drinking coffee, but I'm going to have to wait till another time. So I want to invite you back. And till then, Shalom.